0: Hey guys, Red here with this week's Game Devs Quest Quick Tip. I was just over here editing some audio in the free audio editing platform Audacity. Super powerful program, but it occurred to me whenever I watch people using it, they never use the tools. Now, if you look on the interface, you can see the tools, toolbar, and that's very obvious, but I can give you some short keys here. If you press F1, of course, you have your standard selection tool. This lets you point, click, drag uh, to select range of audio to play or edit. Uh, and of course, you can use the shift key while clicking to uh, select without dragging. If you press F2, you have the envelope tool. And what the envelope tool allows you to do is it allows you to uh, use control points that are already on there just by dragging them around to change the volume. It makes changing volume... Um, louder, softer in certain points, if you have overlapping audio, super easily. And then if you press F3, you have the draw tool. And this allows you to zoom in super close. And if you have any wonky sounds, clicks, noises, or whatever, you can manually redraw the audio very powerful tool, especially if you have some stuff that's screwed up. F4 allows you to zoom without using the pesky old zoom button. Uh, Save yourself some clicks there. Uh, F5 is the time shift tool. Now this is a super powerful one. As those who are familiar with Audacity think that they often have to create or delete silence in order to move the audio the direction that they desire, but this is not true. You can use a time shift tool, F5, by simply clicking and dragging the direction of the sound that you want to take it in. You can save yourself a lot of pain and misery. And of course, if you press F6, this gives you the multi-tool, which basically combines all five of these tools into one. Uh, you just have to figure out exactly how to um, use it. It just uh, changes it based on mouse position and uh, things like that. Pretty handy. Game Devs Everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Game Devs Quest, your once weekly podcast, following two Game Dev Scrubs into Game Dev Dumb. If we can do it, you can too. I'm Rhett. I'm Taylor. Welcome. Hey, um we're recording a little late here.
1: Yep. We did. normally we talk for like twenty minutes beforehand. It was yeah, like we literally even... one minute.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, literally, it was like, hey, anyway, let's press record. And yeah. here we are.
1: Hey, I got something right off the yeah. top. Yeah. Dude, I think I did this to you last, last year, <laughs> but happy birthday last Friday. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're 28, right? I am. Oh, my God. You're so old. I kind of forgot it
0: was my birthday weekend.
1: Really? Did you not do yeah. anything?
0: or? No, I mean, I did something like every night almost, which was weird, but...
1: Anything notable? Uh,
0: yeah, man. It was a lot of fun. So uh, Friday night was my birthday, obviously. And it was just like, you know, last week was kind of a strange week because I was just really focusing on staying busy and getting back uh, into um, the swing of work, but like way more aggressively. So like, you know, I, I worked a lot when I came back from Europe, but uh, I just it wasn't as busy. And for some reason last week, just things clicked up where I was – I was storming work like crazy and so Friday came around and Friday ended up being this weird busy day and by time the evening rolled around it just felt really good to have like earned a weekend you know what I mean you know when you get that and you're just like all right like nothing planned (laughs) this weekend time to just have a good time and relax and rejuvenate and all that Mm -hmm. and uh Yeah, I, like, bought some Christmas lights and put them up, which, like, anybody who knows me knows I hate the holidays. I probably say it like that. I think we had a whole
1: episode about how much we hate the holidays, yeah.
0: You're right. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure every time it comes up, I say, anybody who knows me knows I hate, you know. (laughs) Um, But I do. I hate the holidays. But, um, you know, Bailey doesn't really deserve that. And, you know, she made a concession with me this year. She said, look, we can get a Christmas tree or we can do Christmas lights your choice and i thought that was a very reasonable compromise because she fucking loves the holidays so (laughs) um i hate christmas trees so i decided you know it's my birthday i hadn't gotten lights yet fuck it i'm gonna go buy some lights so i went and spent 50 dollars getting a bunch more christmas lights than i needed but um and then i uh rigged them all up before she got home from work that evening she got off late um, and that was actually like really rewarding and fun. And like my neighbor across the street came out and was like, Whoa, those look really good. And I was <laughs> like, thank you. Like it just like made my day a little bit. Yeah. You know? Nice. Um, you know, especially cause it's like, you know, we, we've lived in this neighborhood now for, um, you know, like nine months or something. And we just haven't had that many interactions with the neighbors, especially ones that have been strictly positive, you know? So, um,
1: yeah I think our generation like it's harder for us to become friends with neighbors or something I don't know like where we grew up like my neighbors were basically extended family yeah Uh, but outside of living in my parents house I've never become close to any of my neighbors and that might just be because I've only lived in apartments but still I think uh, it's kind of weird I don't know
0: Well, in another way, though, I kind of feel like my stretch of neighborhood as an adult is – if this makes any sense, it's also wider than it was when I was a kid because of like – like we're a part of like – we use the Nextdoor app for our
1: neighborhood. I don't know what that is.
0: It's basically a private social network for people that are verified to live in your neighborhood and you can post – uh things to it um basically just to keep up to speed with what's going on. And, like, my neighborhood uses it a lot for, like, suspicious activity, lost pets. That's um, cool. To let them know, like, you know, one of my neighbors in the summer was, like, throwing a big party and he was like, you know, I was having this party and I decided that, like, I wanted to let everybody in the neighborhood know, if you guys want to come, like, you're all invited. You nice. know, he did that type of thing. So. Um and it's other people next, post things for s- next door
1: next next door. Cool. That sounds pretty neat.
0: Yeah, it's actually I thought like a really useful and kind of smart use of social media, right? Like, yeah, you know, it's like you got Facebook, you got Craigslist, and all these types of things. But uh, this is cool because it's private and you have to verify lots of stuff. Um, and you know we use it too for like. <laughs> Um, yeah, like just suspicious things, cop activity, um, you know, like we had a freaking like speed trap set up in our neighborhood and somebody was like, but where the speed trap right here? <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, people can mind their P's and Q's while driving and, and make sure they don't get a ticket and things like that. Or, um... Yeah, And also, they. some people use it to, like, mildly shame their neighbors. They're like, does anybody hear that really loud
1: music? Where is that coming from? Yeah. Nice. We could benefit from that a lot. Because we're, right. we're... God, we have so many problems around here that we just have to kind of put up with. Because um, our landlords are garbage. Yeah. Um, so that might be kind of handy.
0: Yeah. I can imagine that uh, there's a lot of people that... Um, might really benefit from something like that. But anyway, so that's, that's all I wanted to say. It's like, and and it's always interesting because I remember you growing up and that was the case, like your neighbors, like you guys knew super well.
1: Yeah. Um. I mean, they you know. like would come over and we would go over to their house just any time without notice, you know, and it's no big right. deal. They're automatically invited in. Sometimes they even just right. walk in,
0: you know? Right. I remember house sitting <laughs> your house a couple of times and like, Patty would just walk over just to see how I was doing, you know, like just yeah. walk in, no knocking, no nothing, right? <laughs> uh, Sitting yeah. bullshit with me for a little bit, but uh, um, yeah, it's fun, and I, you know, I got to admit, like, I really do like that. Yeah, but it, it gets harder when you move to a bigger city, obviously. Right. Um. Not every community is as tight as Mount Angel is, yeah. and. You know, you guys have heard us talk about Mount Angel a bunch, but it's a super small Catholic town. Everybody goes to the same church. Well, not you guys, but... uh, (laughs) You heathens. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, there's, like, one school district in the whole town, so, like, everybody's kids go to school together. Um, And it's, like, even once your kids are, like, out of... School, it's like I know a lot of people still go to the, like the s- high school sporting events and things like that just to keep up. Yeah, which is cool. Like y- y- you just have this built-in support network in a way,
1: for sure. Well, and, and like, it has its
0: negatives too, obviously, oh, which yeah. we talk about all the time. But <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and and leave it at the positives this time around. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, so I don't know. It's just kind of nice to. I I have a feeling that. You know, my landlord has never explicitly stated it, but I have a feeling that the people that lived in my house beforehand were um, not the best neighbors. So I I think that my neighbors appreciate it when I do things like put up lights, because they all put up lights. Everybody has lights up on the street <laughs> except for me, you know? Yeah, so,
1: I could see that. Um, you kind of have, like, the peer pressure of your neighbors, like
0: right yeah <laughs> and we're also the only the only house on the block as far as i can tell that like doesn't have kids yeah so um but yeah i don't know it's just nice it was a really nice interaction and i really appreciated it so neighbor if you're listening which i know you're not <laughs> but i thank you
1: um so your birthday was about your neighbors hell yeah nice what else did you do? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. So then we went out and, uh, you know, we just uh, hit the town a little bit. And what ended up being really fun was we just happened to be walking past the theater where I routinely work, like where I did Sweeney Todd and all that stuff. Um, but they're not doing a musical this run. They're doing a, a just a straight play. And I, I walked past it and saw the owner, whom, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm half halfway friends with. And I, he just happened to look over me and I waved at him and he opened up the door and invited us in. And it was like right at the end of the play. So we watched like the end of the play and, and watched the bows. And then we just got to talking because, you know, my friends work there still like the people that aren't musicians that are like sage crew and stuff. And, uh, just got to talking to them after the show. And of course they're doing their opening night after party and. The owner goes, "Hey, Rhett Bailey, you guys are my plus one and two. Let's go upstairs now." Now, that, so that was like really fun surprise to be able to go and like hang out with my theater friends and be able to get go to the after party, which is like reserved for people who are working in the play. Um, nice. And you know, so we had a fun time hanging out with them and stayed out way too late. <laughs> uh, and then the next day, uh, got to continue my birthday halfway by like going and playing Dungeons and Dragons, uh, for my usual group and then went and hung out with, uh, my older brother, uh, and stuff like that because I didn't get a chance to see him. Uh, I haven't had a chance to see him since getting back from Europe. And then, uh, and then Sunday was sort of continued by, you know, spending time with my parents, Bailey's parents who were, you know, uh, halfway celebrating my birthday and things like that. Um, And then I went and saw Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse last night uh, to cap it all off. Is that the animated
1: uh, one? Yes. Okay.
0: How was it? And it was incredible. It was so good. Nice. The animation style is like the most unique I've seen in a long time. And the story is tight and sharp and smart and... The emotional beats are super powerful, and it's just so good. It's the best Spider-Man movie I've seen. Wow,
1: nice. Yeah, I was gonna. And I was gonna go say, um, I think I'd be more tempted to watch superhero movies if they stuck in their animated realm. And so we might see. I feel like we might see a comeback of a lot of these. Uh, you know, like Iron Man, Batman, whatever. Start going animated.
0: Well, they haven't... They don't really go anywhere. They haven't gone anywhere. In fact, some of the best, like, Marvel movies are animated. And some of the best... Like, dude, the best Batman movies are definitely animated. Like, Mask of the Phantasm is so good.
1: I'm sure I've seen um, that, but I don't remember it.
0: And, you know, there's some other ones that aren't as good. But uh, I don't think... That, they're just not taken as seriously by people. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, they automatically some assume these, it's for kids or something. Right. Yeah. And
0: some of these movies aren't released in theaters either. Like Mask of the Phantasm actually just had a re-release in theaters. And uh, I wanted to go see it, but I didn't. Um, but that's kind of cool because that's like one of the best Batman movies yeah, I think ever. I have
1: seen this. I'm going to have to re-watch it, though, because I went through and rewatched all of the uh, Batman, the animated series. Nice. Not that long dude. ago. And uh, it just brought me back. Love it. So good. And, yeah. I love that genre or that period for Batman that was like when I got interested in it so
0: dude to some people Kevin Conroy right that's the voice actor is Batman
1: yeah like. oh yeah for sure well, he still does. I think he still does some voice acting for Batman
0: yeah he probably does and of course Mark Hamill is the Joker and yeah uh, there's just so like much nostalgia wrapped up in that and it's super yeah it's really good um, but Spider-Man uh yeah I there is there's already been a sequel announced for this movie um but it, it's just so good and it has an all-star voice cast Chris Pine Jake Miller Leave Schreiber uh Zoe Kravitz Nicholas Cage uh Mahershala Mahershala Ali um other people I don't know there's a lot uh <laughs> But it's so freaking good. And the music choices were really good. And, like, you know, the movie really, it centers on this uh, Latino African-American kid. And just, like, representing his life in that movie, I thought was just so well done. And, And then, of course, just, like, the whole premise is, you know... That there's a multiverse out there, and he interacts with these other Spider-Men. And, like, oh, John Mulaney's in it as well, uh, the comedian. Anyway, uh, and he's interacting with these other Spider-People, and it's so well done. And it's so funny and powerful, and the action was great. And, oh, man, I just, I really want to go see it again.
1: Nice. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures on IMDb. And what I really like is the kind of filter that they put over everything that makes it look like, it was a drawn like a comic, comic book. book. That's super yeah. cool.
0: And just the stylization of it, man. Like, it's one of, like, the best depictions of Wilson Fisk I've ever seen. And I, this is coming from Daredevil, where I was saying, like, Vincent DeFornio was, like, the best Fisk ever. And now I'm like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just so good and so powerful. And, um, yeah, anybody who's on the fence about seeing it, I saw. I saw my first trailer for it, like, a year ago. And in my mind, I was like, that's stupid, but the the images that they showed to portray on the screen and uh, actually like, stuck with me that whole time. And then I was working like, maybe six months ago, and they played uh, the trailer at the, one of the stores where I was doing some work, and it played all day. And I was like, my God, every time I saw it, it got better and better and better and better. And then I finally saw a release date for it, and it came out on my birthday. So I was like, well, I know what I'm doing that day. <laughs>
1: nice that's cool yeah it looks really fun i'll have to check it out
0: yeah man you would love the animation and stylistic choices that they make
1: see i'm like and don't get me wrong when like when the first live action superhero craze started i was all bought in but i'm because i like studied 3d animation in college ever since then i was like i got super into animated films dude. and so like last night we rewatched fantastic <laughs> mr fox uh that's a good one yeah which is just so fun it's like like a very wes anderson movie um but still but animated um, yeah. which makes it fun so just all those types of movies i get i'm tempted to watch even if they look stupid just for the yeah checking out the animations so yeah
0: dude yeah this is uh it it's like the closest thing you'll get to a comic book coming alive yeah like they they use comic book panels to portray action so well and it's the first time on the big screen you've ever seen a depiction of his spider sense
1: oh that's cool and
0: and they do it so good
1: Heck yeah, man. But anyway, yeah, I could no, talk l- about
0: it forever, but I'm just going to talk in circles. It got... And it's always going to end with me being exasperated and saying, it's so <laughs> good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it got 8.8 8 out of 10 on IMDb, 87 metascore. It um, has a
0: 97 on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Yeah.
1: So there you go. Cool, dude.
0: So, um, yeah. I left the movie theater being like, man, I wish that i could i have focused more time on like my artistic ability in terms of <laughs> drawing or animating or something
1: yeah i know that was kind of when i before all this stuff started i kind of wanted to pursue something like an animation career yeah um for i i did some cuz i took two 3d animation courses with maya in college and they just yeah. like blew my mind it was so fun like getting in and modeling things and um every time for each course there was a 1 minute animated short that teams put together and just for 1 minute it was just insane how much work was put into it cuz it was like you know month and a half worth of work um yeah. with you know storyboarding and modeling and animating and people figured out what they were good at. Like I wasn't really very good at animating. I was better at modeling. Um, And some people were just insane at animating and making it like real life fluid motion, but it's just super tedious. Um, And then like after I finished that course, uh, I worked with a kid who majored in film studies and his uh, senior thesis was a like this rock opera thing that he made, and yeah. he he wanted uh, CGI to be like the the backgrounds and stuff. So I worked with him making some of the backgrounds. Like I made this temple entrance that was kind of cool, um, and I was like super into it for a while. But I was I was planning on or I considered going to USC to get an MFA, Masters in Film Arts. And focus on animation, but I don't know. Big change isn't something that I do very often. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, anytime I see these 3D films, especially like nowadays, it's just insane how how realistic everything looks. Um, it's always like kind of brings me back wanting to get back into 3D animation. Yeah. But here I am over here just doing pixel art. It's all good. Maybe you should do some 3D animation for a game. Yeah, someday. I, I want I want to get back and do it, but it's just a matter of putting the time into it. Um, right. If I did 3D animation right now, I'd probably check out Voxels, doing Voxel yeah. art, just because it's, it's a lot easier. But I think I'm sticking with 2D for the the time being. So...
0: Um, I mean, you did make a 3D game once.
1: Yeah, I did. I made, um, what was it called? Uh, Darkness? I think that was the only one I made that was 3D.
0: Oh, Maximum Maximum, the the Rollable.
1: Yeah, that one was 3D. (laughs) No modeling, though. (laughs) All primitives. Same with, uh, same with Darkness. But yeah. Um,. Yeah, what else, dude? I I have a couple things, but nothing really game related. I didn't do a lot of game dev this last yeah, week.
0: Yeah, I um I've just been like reading some game dev uh stuff and game design stuff a lot. Um like remember that uh Game Studies uh book bundle?
1: F- yeah, I think I got it too. Yeah, it's just been kind of fun.
0: I've just been kind of glossing through uh some of those. And, uh, it's interesting because I think a lot of it is, I think a lot of it's interesting, but sometimes some of it just doesn't feel usable in any way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That bundle was, came at it from a much more academic standpoint as opposed mm-hmm. to like practical, which is still yeah. like worthwhile to think about, but sometimes it's a little bit, uh, intangible and yes (laughs) I don't know it kind of reminds me of some of the stuff I studied in school where it's like yeah I studied film but I'm like analyzing why they put this particular thing in the shot in that particular placement in that particular lighting and then I'm just like (laughs) you know going down the rabbit hole about like the phil uh philosophical presence of that object and stuff like that you know it's like what does that even matter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know so um which one do you which one are you reading or did you just look at a bunch of them
0: um yeah well one of the ones that um stuck out with me where did the list go here Oops. um One of the ones that stuck out at me was, uh, oh right, the art of failure. That's what I was reading. Mm. You know why we uh, why we enjoy challenging games and things like that. Um, I don't know, but again, it's like you were saying, it's just stuff that I don't think that like the average game dev or game designer is going to think of when they're <laughs> making a game. Yeah. And uh for that reason I'm not I I'm not sure if I would recommend a lot of these to game devs at all. Yeah. Like I think if you're like a psychologist or a sociologist or statistician or something, like you could probably find some value in these depending on like what you're working on, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah. Well my understanding from that was that a lot of them were actually like Uh, dissertations from people who got a PhD in game design interesting Um, yeah because I was like three quarters of the way through one called like um emotions in gaming or something like that and it was just talking about like the way that games make you feel emotions and it went through all of these very um extreme examples like one game that was made was putting the player in like the first person or third person view of a school shooter and it's just like Mm -hmm. oh my god and she was like going off about um or just like kind of getting deep into all of like the pretexts or whatever it's called like I don't know. It was weird. There was some interesting stuff, but a lot of it, too, was just kind of like, yeah, I don't think most game developers are going to be thinking about this, so I felt the same way.
0: Interesting. So anyway, um, (laughs) last time you didn't get a chance to talk about anything that you wanted to talk about, so before we uh, let me talk for another 30 minutes, let's uh, make sure we (laughs) uh, hit some of that.
1: Uh, Let's see... (laughs) I don't even remember what I talked about last week. Maybe I didn't talk about anything. Um, Well, one thing, one update, I guess. Um, A couple of weeks ago, we captured two of our cats, the cats that are outside our strays, and uh, we got them... uh, One of them is is still in custody, or whatever you want to call it, Um, and they're analyzing his like temperament to see if he can be adoptable which apparently it's like they're very strict about what sorts of behaviors um cats uh like do to to make sure that they're adoptable or not otherwise they just deem them as stray and one of them was returned back to us we always call her wheezy because she's like huffing all the time making noise when she's breathing. Um, but she was given all kinds of antibiotics and stuff. Um, so she's doing better. She seems happier. She's like, I had never heard her purr before this last week. Um, and we're trying to see if we can work with another organization to get her adopted, but just really slow going. And now it's starting to get cold and rainy and everything. So it's like even more kind of sad thinking about them. The other thing that's interesting is that, um, I don't know if it's timing or just because, like, we have food out. Um, Not at all times, but, like, twice a day. We've attracted two, um, what do they call them, two tomcats. And, dude, those things are, like, freaking bulls. And most of the cats that we have are female. And so I think they're, like, typically they'll chase chase the female cats but they're like yeah. seriously their heads are like the size of like a small basketball it seems like <laughs> they're like just <laughs> these massive brutes um and so i'm like whenever i see them i have to like go outside and like scare it away I, I take my spray bottle and like spray at it which feels bad but i feel like it kind of got to protect my my herd you know <laughs> yeah so um that's been kind of crazy i'm hoping that um we'll be ready to catch another one or two soon get them spayed and neutered. Uh we found out that Wheezy actually already was spayed and they think that she's like 3 or 3 to 5 years old. So we almost think that she might be the mother of two of the cats that are in our little group. So oh, really? it's kind of crazy, but she's she's like the smallest too, which is even crazier. So uh that's been kind of interesting. Um beyond that like there's some stuff I wrote down from last week but nothing super interesting. Uh one thing that came up last week um I've talked about one of my software developer friends uh at work before and they posted a position at work for a software developer job that would be working pretty closely with him. And yeah. I've been kind of going back and forth on it. Um for a while it's been posted for like five weeks probably and i decided that i wasn't going to do it uh just because i feel like there's a lot of stuff up in the air and i don't know it just like adds another stress point but then last week he came by my desk and was like dude you should have applied (laughs) like like uh and he was just like talking to me more about it but it's still open, so I ended up just, like, rushing an application, and I, I put it in. I don't know if I'll get an interview or anything, but um, the requirements are seem pretty low. You just have to be familiar with C Sharp, web dev stuff, so HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and SQL, and I'm pretty comfortable with all of those. So nice. I think I have a shot. I would feel pretty bad, like... Um, leaving my current role, but yeah, I don't know. It's a good opportunity. So this last week, uh all, like over the weekend, I probably spent like, I don't know, 20 hours doing ASP.net tutorials. Um, and I just followed a bunch of the ones on the Microsoft website. If you search for ASP.net core tutorial, Microsoft has like dozens of them. And like normally I, i don't think that microsoft's documentation is very good but these tutorials are actually are pretty good so i feel like i've gotten at least a base foundational knowledge of asp.net and i'm kind of tempted to start looking into building the gdq site at least like a some scaffolding trying to test it out and see if i can do like user authentication and stuff like that um It's kind of crazy, though. With ASP.NET, like, the tool itself does so much for you. Like, um, if you just create an application, they have all these templates that you can use. And with the templates, like, you just basically choose new and then the template. And it just builds, like, an entire application with a database and, like, all these different crazy things that... Would take a long time to build from scratch Um, just like right out of the box so it's pretty powerful Um, and it's interesting like getting your feet wet with like implementing web development technologies with databases using ASP.NET because there's this thing called Entity Framework and it basically allows you to take C sharp code and it automatically translates it to database stuff and it's kind of confusing but it's also really cool because it just like does it for you basically (laughs) so it's weird I I feel like there's a lot to learn Um, and if I got that job I'd primarily be doing asp.net I think so curious to see where it goes but that's kind of what i cool yeah it's been what i've been up to the last like week or so um and i just kind of feel like if i want to be prepared for that if i do get an interview like i just need to dig in hard and then if i did get the job like i would want to do more stuff like that in my personal time because i don't want to like get it and then just suck you know yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It feels like I'm scared. Like there's a lot of a lot of pressure I feel like if I were to get that job like cuz I'm totally junior level with what they're using, but I think I have enough like passion and interest to like get better as a developer that if they were to take a risk, it would be potentially worth it for them, but definitely worth it for me. <laughs> 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 um So, anyways, I'll keep you guys posted on that. Um, uh, The other thing I did last week was I started listening to the Dresden Files, uh, which was I've read already read books one through three, but I'm re-listening to them, Um, and that's kind of bringing me back. They're pretty fun to listen to. Um, The one thing that I found kind of funny, I don't know. there's like several parts in the first book, uh, storm, is it stormfront? It's the name. Yeah. Where it's just like, so male fantasy. Like, yeah,
0: it's, yeah. In fact, uh, I gave Yana the first stormfront book a couple years ago and she gave it back to me in Barcelona and she highlighted and tabbed every sexist passage in the whole book. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, there was quite a few uh, parts that she uh, talked about. And I was like, well, honestly, it gets better. Like, this, these I, – I should have had you start at, like, book three because – she's like, well, I don't know, man. It's like, here he is, like, basically giving her a rape potion and, like, here yeah. he is, like – and I was like, yeah, but, like, it is bad. I'm not going to defend <laughs> it. Yeah. But – he I think he understands like the error of his ways and uh, and he's like and plus all the characters just seem to all the female characters just seem to exist and aren't actually characters I was like but as like later on in the series the female characters become the best characters and like the most powerful characters and um Stuff like that. Yeah. She's like, well, first book failed me, so I'm not going to read them on. I was like,
1: damn.
0: All right. <laughs> like, you can't blame somebody no. for that.
1: But... Well, yeah. It seemed like the female characters were pretty shallow. And for some reason, all of them were, like, attracted to Dresden and, like, very flirty. And, yeah. you know, and it's like, that. this is not realistic at all. Um, yeah. But, well, and the way, like, Alia... Um, was talking about just how a lot of fantasy books are very, like, porny, you know? Yeah. And they're always talking about, like, the woman's voluptuous breasts and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's, like, they did that exact same thing in The Dresden Files, and I was just like, oh, my God. Like, Bob yeah. describes some woman's skin as being, like, milky, whatever, and I'm just like, oh, my God, this is so cringy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it is funny. Bob is, like, pretty nymphomaniac-ish. But, yeah. uh And, like, it's weird because, like, sex and, like, sex-oriented language continues to be kind of a part of the books, like, the whole time. Like, I, I just read uh, the latest collection of short stories while I was in Rome.
1: hmm
0: Or r- Europe, rather. And, um, you know, it comes up quite a bit. And especially because, like, after Yana pointed it out, I was, like, I think, like, hyper aware Mm
1: -hmm.
0: of uh, instances like that. And it kind of made me cringe some of the times. But it absolutely gets better in the later books. Yeah. But I think that fantasy being a male-dominated field, it does tend to really lean that way. Right. You know, which is, like, it's kind of funny because I was telling Yana that part of the reason that I really, really enjoyed – Name of the Wind originally was that I was, like, getting... I mean, I loved epic fantasy, but I was getting super burned out on those types of scenes, right? Like, in one of my favorite series, The Sort of Truth, in book number four, uh, Temple of the Winds, there's, like, a straight-up, like, 50-page porno, <laughs> you know? And I'm, like, in eighth grade reading this, oh, and, no. like, it's just so weird yeah, um, that it was included in that level of detail. And... And then Name of the Wind comes along, and it's told from this, like, adolescent point of view, and it's clear that he likes girls, but it's also clear that he knows nothing about them, and that most women that he finds attractive are super intimidating to him, so he, like, doesn't talk to them. And I'm like, okay, this is realistic. <laughs> and uh, and there's not a single sex scene, really, in the whole entire book. Yeah. And some of the scenes that have sex in it are, are written very, like, tastefully. Like, there's a scene where it describes, like, his parents... Like trying to, you know, send him off to do chores so they can have like a moment to, you know, of intimacy together. And like, it's actually written very tastefully and like very, like it seems like it would be in real life, you know, like, um, yeah. and, uh, and then there's like scenes where he's finally gets to have like some moments of intimacy with his main love interest and, like you know nothing happens at all but just the way he writes them it's like very 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 I think uh accurate to the adolescent point of view yeah and I remember thinking like man what a great fantasy book and without you know so much poorly written porn scenes (laughs) to ruin it and I remember I was gonna say something to him about it when I met him the first time he's like taking questions and I was going to be like, I think it's great that you managed to write an epic fantasy book that just doesn't focus too much on sex and things like that. Which is like, the more I say it, the more I, it's like cringy to say it out loud. But honestly, at that point, I thought it was an impressive part of the book. Yeah. And somebody gets up and says the same thing. And he goes, yeah, you know, so many people say that to me. And honestly, it, it was more on accident. He's like, the next book is going to have a ton of sex. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Uh, and um
1: well I remember that scene in Wise Man's Fear where he's like yeah. with the fae or whatever the fairy yeah, thing Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: <laughs> Well, and that's what I was telling Yana. I was like I was like, "Well, I know that the Dresden seems really sexist to you and there's obviously a lot of parts that are, but like I was like, "You like the name of the wind, don't you?" And she was like, "Yeah." And I was like Feminists, a lot of feminists, hate that book and that series for how sexist it is, the way that he, he portrays women out to be like dumb or making bad choices or harlots because of whatever, and um, and she's like, yeah, I get it, but it just seems like that's a product. It, you know, it takes place in this like older time and fantasy, right? So it's like a product of its time or whatever. Like, quote, that doesn't make sense, but you know what I mean. It's like it takes place in a time where men would be like that. And It's like okay, sure. Jason Files takes place now. We yeah. know better. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, fair enough. Um, but then I was like, but remember in Wise Man's Fear, when he literally goes from never being with a woman to literally having sex with a sex god for a hundred and fifty pages? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah. Well, when you say it like that, <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: Yeah, fantasy has some. I guess it's fantasy. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. like well and I don't know. There's so many like thinking getting into the mind of like George R R Martin too. Yeah. Like it, he does have some very um powerful and independent women. Um yeah. which is and a lot of them are really badass. But yeah. also like some of the yeah, it's the same type of thing. It's like dude like you're writing a porn in your head and now all of us are reading like your fantasy porn. Like it's kind of weird. You know, I interestingly,
0: know. I thought George R. R. Martin had like some of the least amount of sex scenes in his books. Um, compared to Wheel of Time, compared to Sword of Truth, compared to all of these I guess I never read any of fantasies. those, ones,
1: but yeah.
0: You know, like sure. Like how many sex scenes can you think of I mean, I, I can think of four off the top of my head, and they're, like, barely descriptive. In
1: Game of Thrones? In the series as a whole. Uh, yeah. I mean, and there's I mean, some, I, like,
0: there's some really intense ones, too. Like, ones that I don't think offer <laughs> gratification to anybody. Yeah. Like, uh, like da- Daenerys' first oh, yeah. uh, night with Khal Drogo. <laughs> yeah. Um, that which was, was a rape.
1: Yeah, that was not cool. Um,
0: Sansa being raped by, uh, Ramsey Bolton. Um, and of course there's, uh, Jon Snow and, um, Ingrid. Ingrid? Ingrid. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, there's that, which is a little bit more passionate, I guess. Um, and then I can think of, like, Cersei having sex with, like, some of her handmaids or whatever. Right. Um, and, like, wishing she was a man. Oh,
1: it's And what's yeah. interesting,
0: all of these offer plot development. Yeah. As well. Like, Sansa being raped by Ramsay Bolton it turns Sansa into the woman that we know is going to be, like, brutal and callous and that we've seen in the show. Um, uh, Daenerys being raped by Khal Drogo. Well, I don't know about that one, what kind of plot development I get. But And she does end up having sex later on, too, with, uh, you know, like that guy. Uh, oh, Yeah. And also, like, some of her handmaids she, like, explores with. So I guess there is more now that I'm thinking about it. But
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, and that's – maybe I'm remembering a lot of it, too, because of HBO. But, like, that's a yeah, key HBO part of really, the show. Yeah, HBO really brings a lot of it out. Yeah. <laughs> and they
0: put sex scenes in the, in the show that don't even exist yeah. in the books, you know, especially early on. Yeah. And that's the thi- – like, but again, I, th- I still think that um, – I think that most of his scenes offer character development. Like with Cersei's whole thing, like wishing she was a man like that um, is a really interesting scene because, you know, we're getting into her mindset and why she is the way she is. John, of course, is breaking his vows to the Night's Watch and uh, which is going to, you know, shape, uh, shape that a little bit, especially for being like it's at exact odds with like the type of man that we think he is at that point.
1: Can you hang on for a second? Sorry, we can keep recording. I think someone's at my door. Looks like it's the neighbor, sorry.
0: No, no, you're all right but uh yeah i'm I'm not going to say that there aren't any useless scenes in there fantasy fantasy fulfillment scenes in there, but one of the interesting things about George R. Martin that I've always really liked is that some people are always like floored by how he writes these powerful women, and like I remember like one person was like, "Man, you have these really amazing fleshed out female characters, and of course they I think that they're they're just trying to like be with the times and be like, "How do you write women like this and of course, George R. Martin comes out and he goes, "Well." Uh, the first thing I do is, uh, I just treat them like people, (laughs) 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 which is, it's funny because it's kind of obvious. And, you know, did you ever see that video or, or maybe it's a meme or something where they're like, if women wrote male characters the same way that men write female characters and, uh, you know, and it was like, you know, one of the scenes that it described was, uh, uh, you know, he he stretched as the morning sunlight uh, reached through the curtains and illuminated his massive dong. Yeah, he <laughs> uh, grasped the outline of it in his sweatpants as it swayed back and forth with his walking gait or whatever. You know, yeah. like <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, you know, shit like that. And like, I don't think a lot of men would find that fun to read. So it's like when you read books where it's like. You yeah, know, her bosom swelled through her tight uh uh Yeah
1: tank top shirt and uh blah blah blah. Like it's just like dude. I know. It you wonder why like a lot of these nerd dumbs are like mostly men, right? Yeah, same,
0: mostly well
1: Same yeah. with video games, like you have freaking you pick a female character and the armor might be like the same type and name or whatever but then like for the women it just like barely covers their boobs and that's it it's like okay or like there's a there's a
0: character in metal gear solid five that doesn't wear clothes because she has a disease where she can only breathe through her skin
1: (laughs) uh yeah should have made that a guy apparently
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like, why not, yeah. you know? Like, that would have been... If you want uh, to have a character that breathes through their skin and can't wear clothes and can't be submerged in water, just make them a
1: dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. There's definitely a uh, problem. Um, yeah. And I was, like, my bookshelf is getting smaller over time because I'm kind of weeding it. But um, I'm looking at Harry Potter, because those are still on my shelves, thinking, like... There wasn't anything in there, was there? And then a young adult. Series. I know it's young adult, but still, um, I don't know. Also written by a woman, so yeah, that helps. And that's the thing, like
0: you know, when I'm <clears throat> when I'm writing, I try to be completely, you know, aware of like falling into those pitfalls. Yeah. And like one of the people that I really try to model some of those things after is. Ursula K. Le Guin oh, yeah. who one of my favorite examples of of doing something of, of just, it's hard to explain what I mean by this, but it's like she just treats her character like a person in the sense that it's like they seem normal to themselves, so why would they draw attention to it when they're narrating their own story, right? Um, one of the examples being like she wrote Wizard of Earthsea in the 60s a time where racial tensions were high. Mm-hmm. And her main character, Ged or Sparrowhawk, whatever you want to call him, Wizard of Earthsea, is not white. I think it's implied that he's like more of like a Native American skin tone, but he might be black. Hmm. And people are reading this and celebrating victories of like a black main character. But part of it, part of the success of that is that, like, people didn't know that he was black. I mean, look (laughs) at both film adaptations of Wizard of Earthsea, and the main character is white. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's kind of a a standard for Hollywood, though.
0: (laughs) Right. Exactly. And you're not wrong. Um, But it's really interesting because his skin color is mentioned once in all of the books. And so when I'm writing, I try to think, uh, like for example, well, I don't know. I don't know if I want to give any per- examples for my own personal writing. Cause that's embarrassing But, uh, <laughs> but why else would it come up? He's narrating his own story. He's not going to be like, and my black skin rippled in the water and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Like, you know,
1: that's <laughs> right. The- <laughs> I know. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, yeah. So I try to model my own writing kind of after that sense where um like and it's especially powerful I think with things like sex, sexual orientation which is still like kind of a big deal to a lot of readers mm-hmm. you know um I don't try to focus too much on on that type of stuff I just try to focus on the plot and the character and what's important to them and things like that and uh I think female writers excel at that yeah um,
1: so, I don't know. Shit, I'm rambling now. No, no, no. I just thought, like, well, because I know how much you like the Dresden Files, and yes, uh, my secret weapon talks about them a lot. And I yes. mean, they are enjoyable to listen to. Um, I've really, like, I've actually almost finished the first one because it's like eight hours long. Um, yeah. But, uh, and uh, the narrator, what's his name? Um, guy from Buffy, right? Yeah, John Marston. Yeah, John. Wait, John Wait, Marston? John, it's
0: definitely Marston. Though.
1: Wait, isn't that the guy? Isn't that the character in Red Dead Redemption?
0: Yeah, I think I said this, the wrong thing. Yeah. Anyways, um, he's really
1: great. His voice sounds exactly like what I remembered it sounding like as I was reading. James, it. James Marsters. James Marsters. There you go. <laughs> but he's really great. Um, it is it is super enjoyable. I just like was kind of caught off guard on some of that. Like, wow, this is yeah. pretty cringy.
0: I tell everybody that they can feel free to start the book at book number three.
1: Yeah. Um, well, number because, two is bad, and
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: number one's fine. Number one, I like number one. I did, number two, the, though. the
0: overall plot doesn't even start until book number three. Yeah. And it's just the most interesting book, and it starts with uh, a fun character with fun things going on, and the plot of the entire series begins. Yeah. And what happens in the first two books hardly ever comes up ever again. Yeah. I mean, that's not entirely true. I mean, I I guess his relationship with Susan comes back into play, but
1: yeah. And, uh, Bianca, I think we see Bianca again.
0: Oh, is she in the first one? Yep. Yeah. Well, she comes back in the third one,
1: but yeah, and dies. Wow. Thanks.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. He starts a war with the Red Court Vampires. Guess what? It's the plot of the entire series. All right.
1: Well, you just spoiled it for me and everyone else. Yeah,
0: whatever. Start there. It would literally be like in the synopsis of the movie. If it would come out and all the things were like one, it would be like it probably just start with him blowing her up or something. Uh, Nice. Well, yeah, I don't I don't feel bad. Sorry, yeah. I should. You
1: have no shame, though. So
0: you've already read the book, haven't you? So I mean, I have. you started yeah. in on the fourth book.
1: What I don't. What's the yeah, fourth? Yeah, I book? loaned it to you. What's the fourth book? The
0: fourth book is Summer Night.
1: I don't think I read that one. I, no, I definitely loaned it to you. I think you yeah. started it. I know I read the third one, Ghost something. Go no grave peril. Grave peril, but it's about ghosts, right?
0: Yeah, because the graves are in peril. They. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see? (laughs) Sorry. I I know. I always, always, like, rib people when they don't remember the Dresden Files books, because to me, like, they're all double entendres that are, like, kind of easy to remember.
1: Yeah. Well, I'd never remember names of anything. It's kind of like bands. Like, I remember the name of the band, but I couldn't tell you album name or song name for almost anything past when I stopped buying CDs, you know?
0: Yeah. If I bought the CD,
1: I typically knew, you know, at least... Most of the songs, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but Well um, anyway. Sorry to come down on you so hard and spoil the third book, but you
1: know what? <laughs> no, you're good. And you're good for me, maybe not people listening. But well, whatever. <laughs> um the only other thing sorry, I had on listeners. my list was um potentially talking about some of the stuff with uh our predictions for twenty nineteen, but we can potentially wait for cheerful ghost to release that yeah I, w-
0: I was thinking about talking about that but then we got uh going down this stuff yeah. um i think we only have 10 minutes left and i would love to maybe devote uh time about this at the top of an episode maybe next week okay yeah. would that be fine that's fine with me because i thought we had some really good predictions
1: yeah i did too i think uh both of us are pretty close to the mark i think
0: yeah i think so but um and I I always like making predictions and and uh, yeah so uh, well yeah, let's devote let's make sure that's uh, that's going to be our challenge to each other okay. uh, is to uh, remember <laughs> our predictions and we'll start with them at the top of next week so uh, guys we got some we got some awesome video game industry predictions coming up uh, next week so stay tuned for that. Um, Hey, CES is coming up uh, in a few weeks, and I'm going to be there reporting from the ground floor.
1: Where is that at? Um, is that in Las Vegas? Las Vegas.
0: Dang, dude. Live from Las Vegas, cool. the floor of the Consumer Electronics Show 2019. It's going to be ret. Uh So, yeah, uh, if you guys are interested in uh, keeping up with that stuff... Uh, there is going to be lots of computer hardware news if you guys are interested in VR news we're going to be trying to keep an eye out for anything related to Oculus or Vive Um, so you know follow me on Twitter um, for that type of thing I'll I'll try and uh, make sure that uh, Game Devs Quest is uh, retweeting some of that if you guys don't follow me Um,
1: yeah we'll have to talk uh, about all of our predictions before you go because you'll be getting inside scoops
0: Inside Scoop, I will be, yeah, so, um, looking forward to that, that's going to be pretty fun, we'll have to figure out what we're going to do for a Game Devs Quest episode, then we'll probably just pre-record or something. Um, yeah, we
1: probably need to do that anyways, just because now we're recording yeah, we're doing Monday like mornings. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah,
0: it's not working.
1: No, it's, <laughs> we're just, we start the week every week behind. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good way to start your week. No, so... But
0: uh, if it's okay with you, I wouldn't mind just wrapping this yeah, up. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, put a pin on it. We'll talk about our predictions next week. Um, if you guys disagree and think Dresden Files is the least sexist thing ever, hit <laughs> us up. We're on Twitter, at Game Devs Quest. Um You'll be wrong, but all opinions are welcome. Uh, <laughs> um also, uh, if you haven't done it yet, go see Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. It's incredible. Um, and you can email me your thoughts about that movie, uh, your dissertation um, about Sony's uh, anime, uh, animation style for that. We are at, uh, excuse me, yeah, gdq at airpodcast.com. Uh, if you guys want to uh, find links uh, conveniently located for all of our stuff, uh on chrome you could probably find a beautifully laid out website uh, gamedevsquest.com if you're on some other uh, internet browser we don't know sorry um, <laughs> <laughs> but um you guys can also join our conversations at our lively discord uh server bit.ly forward slash GDQ Discord. And we got all sorts of rooms going in there talking about fun things. You can share pictures of your pets. We love pictures of your pets. Um,
1: yeah, it's my favorite part of the whole Discord.
0: Yeah, it's pretty fun. <laughs> I like that too. Um, so come check that out. And if you guys are interested in Humble Bundles, uh, you can... Go on to HumbleBundle.com and and see what they got going for you. They got a a movie editing bundle on there right now. Uh, they've got a management and design uh, book bundle on there right now that I'm actually kind of looking at getting some of these things. Uh, they've got some uh, interesting uh, books in there that might be. I, I've always kind of liked uh, the field of design. Uh, and there's some other shit, I no, don't know.
1: They have uh, a software sale that has Aceprite in it. I know you can get that for free, but for those of us who are lazy, uh oh I guess twenty five percent off, so it's like it's eleven twenty four. that's also got it looks like GameMaker is on sale. Mm, uh, yeah, that's on the store. Damon Tools, that brings me back. Oh uh, nice. <laughs> hey, they even got fences for you, right?
0: Yeah, I love uh, fences. It's not yeah, a so bundle. Just so but... you that's clear, that's not actually a bundle. That's a software sale in the store. Um, and you guys can take a look at any of that. And you can use our link, bit.ly forward slash gdq hyphen humble. And you can buy stuff on the store rather than doing a, a humble bundle. And a little bit of your purchase is going ki- to get kicked back to us to help keep the lights on. Uh, and some of these do... Look really cool uh face rig looks kind of fun to screw around with they've got game maker studio on there if you guys are interested in and getting in on that um, you know it's like thirty percent off or something um, but it still seems like a, a decent little uh, move yeah and of course I love fences Taylor always makes fun of me for that but um, <laughs> For a person who I put everything on my desktop, it declutters my desktop and allows me to hide icons when I don't want to see them So, uh, and bring them back uh, with a single click of my mouse. So um, I really like that one. And another Stardock one that I really like is Display Fusion, which makes – it's kind of a a program uh, to help manage uh, using multiple monitors. Mm -hmm. Um, I find that really helpful and way better than like the built-in Microsoft support. Um, it's for sale for $15, which is way overpriced, uh, um, because you can usually get it in a, um, Stardock software bundle, which just closed like yesterday or something. So, um, you just keep an eye out for another one of those. Cause I'm sure it'll come back, but yeah, shit. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put a pin in this, use those links. Uh, we really, really appreciate it until next week, guys, come back for our 2019 video game and video game industry predictions. We'll be here.
1: That's right. Have a good week, y'all. Cued at music. Mm hmm.